Hello once again, and welcome to this not late at all edition of Animation Celery! Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Matsy had a chicken. Matsy had a cow. Maiko was proud. He didn't care how. And, uh, I am the proud parent Matsy. Whoo. Alright. My favorite Charlie Adler. Uh, I'm Micah. <laughs> there <laughs> so, is one? I like some of his stuff, but not that one. Anyway, <laughs> we're not talking cow and chicken. We're talking, this, this episode, we're talking The Legend of Zelda. I understand that this was something that, like, a, of a, pro, of a uh, goal for the podcast, to eventually do a Legend of Zelda-focused episode. My sister was always interested in it. Right, right. So, um, we're going to theoretically look at the three best episodes of The Legend of Zelda from the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, uh, as rated by the website Episode Ninja. And then for fun, we're going to throw in the first appearance of Zelda Link and all in Captain N the Game Master. Mm. Which, you know, that'll, uh, that'll be something. That'll be something later on. First of all, yeah. we do our news thing. Yeah, okay. I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I did a lot. Like, you know, I've had two weeks and I spent one of it not working, so... Mm -hmm. Oh, where to begin? Um, let's see. Bee and Puppy Cat. Neat. You, you watched this and you alerted me to the fact that there's a new version on Netflix. Yes, that's right. Uh, what was your opinion of it again? Hmm. Overall positive. I had fun watching it. Okay. I kind of, like, if, if you're thinking... It's one of those shows, I think, if you think of the plot too much, it's not, it's not real plot strong. It's mm. stuff, it's drama and things, you know? So, as, as long as you're in, in it for the whimsy and the weirdness, it's good. Yeah, uh, that is kind of my opinion, too. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think it's interesting to watch. It's, you know, it looks really neat. It's whimsical, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um but as far as trying to figure out what is actually going on, it's one of the most frustrating cartoons I've ever seen. Huh. It's so obtuse. Yeah. And you know what? I blame Pendleton Ward. Yeah. Because, so Pendleton Ward is best known as the creator of Adventure Time. But I noticed in the credits that like almost every episode of this said story by Pendleton Ward and Natasha Allegri. Okay. Natasha Allegri being the creator of it. Yes. And I'm thinking about... How Adventure Time didn't exactly hold your hand, but it gave you enough information that you could, most of the time, enough information that you could see what was going on. Mm -hmm. With some exceptions, like the episode that we watched, um, The Mountain, where Lemon Grab was going into the mountain of Matthew, and there's a whole bunch of weird stuff going on about his psyche, and like he ends up, you know, there's a being called Matthew that people are merging with. And you come out of it and you're like, I don't know why... There was a mural of this on Lemongrab's ceiling. I don't know why he felt compelled to go there. I don't know what all the stuff that he went through meant. I don't know why Finn right. was important. I don't know why throwing the candy into him destroyed Matthew. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm sure made sense to Pendleton Ward, but it sure did a bad job of explaining it to the viewer. I think, and, I think it's... Maybe it didn't even make sense to him. It's like style yeah. over substance. Maybe. So... 
It's like stuff like Cowboy Bebop, which I'm sure that uh, Allegri and probably Pendleton were fans of, where mm -hmm. the plot isn't really defined, I think. You just got to know this yeah. guy's cool and that guy's cool, and they he had to run away for, for reasons, you know? But we're not going to define it too heavily because it really would fall apart if we did. Yeah. And then and then Pendleton Ward's other show, The Midnight Gospel, which mm -hmm. is basically just a series of animated podcasts. Right. But like that was a really hard one to follow because like this, the move from scripted to improvised dialogue is mm. so abrupt. Mm. And then the stuff going on has so little to do with what's being said <laughs> that it was chaos. And I think a lot of being puppy cat, like I think I think some of Pendleton Ward's, to be honest, bad storytelling habits mm. rubbed off on this show. Mm. Um, because I'm looking at it like minor, minor spoilers, maybe because I don't even know what happened. <laughs> OK, but like, I guess B is like the computer of puppy cat's spaceship. Mm. Question mark. Like, I, I have no idea what I just watched. Why was the mom crying tears? I guess I understand that, you know, she she ate an unfinished chunk of wish crystal, and so the wishes came out weird, and so maybe it's not supposed to make sense. But then, like, there's so much of it that, like, I'm trying to figure out what the story is. And in the end, it's like, I don't know what what happened? I don't, I can't even confirm what B is. I don't know what the character Toast was doing there at all. Um, the one, th a couple of things that amused me with the voice acting, um, mm. I was shocked to see that Wesley, there's a character named Wesley and he likes fish and he's voiced by Aaron Hansen of the Game Grumps. Oh, really? Which, huh? Yeah. Maybe go, what? He can do more than one voice? Because I stopped watching Game Grumps because I got tired of him always doing this one voice. I was like, you're such <laughs> a bad voice actor, Aaron Hansen. Just lots stop it. He does lots of different but, voices. Yeah, but he always does that one, and it just annoyed me. Okay. Like Butters from South Park, okay. basically. Um, but no, I was like, I didn't realize it was him until I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, okay, if I can't tell who the voice actor is, even though I know the voice, then he's probably doing a good job. Mm. Um, but then there's also uh, B, her friend Deckard, who goes to cooking school and then is hardly in the series again. Yeah. Um. Listening to his voice, I had a very specific reaction to it. Mm. I thought, I think I know this voice from saying like one line in one episode of Adventure Time. Okay. And it turns out I was right in a way. Yes. Because I looked at the character, the, the actor's name is Kent Osborne. And I looked up his credits, and it turns out he is a character who showed up very briefly in Adventure Time and said just a couple of lines. He's a fish named Wooby Woo. Um, All right. Who shows up and says something like, I need your help, or whatever. And I was like, okay, that's probably where I know him from. But it turns out that what I didn't realize is that he has a more important role in Adventure Time. Mm -hmm. Because Kent Osborne is the voice of Finn and Jake's dad, Joshua. Oh, Okay. And as soon as he, as soon as I saw that, I thought about it. it was like, yes, okay, I can see how that uh, that makes total sense. I see how this actor is that voice. But uh, boy, I just found it weird that I jumped to the obscure one first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, we talked about so, that before. The the weird voice acting in the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A weird I, blend, I, weird blend of like uh, dream prose 
that they worked with and then other people that hardly sound professional at all. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I like the dialogue isn't to the level of adventure time, but it's still enough that like, there's a scene where one of the characters Cass, her mouth is duct taped shut mm. and a bird rips the duct tape off. And I knew just from watching the rest of the show is like, she's not just going to yell ow. She's going to like have an amusing response to this. Right. And she did. Mm-hmm. So, so that's good. So yeah, uh, being puppy cat, I don't know, just watch it, go along for the ride. Don't make the mistake that I did and try to find a greater meaning in it because you'll just get frustrated. Um, mm. Just watch it for the ride. Yeah. I kind of wish that it didn't like maybe it gave you too many answers. Maybe it should be uh, more nebulous. Maybe it, yeah, maybe it shouldn't have hinted that there were answers. Right. Maybe it was just, here's a weird Island where weird stuff happens. Just go with it. Right. Right. Um, okay. Let's see. What else? Uh, did you see this show Velma? No, I've not watched it. You did. try. It. Oh my God. It's the, uh, <laughs> There's a lot of bait articles that are flooding me. You know, this is the worst rated cartoon on whatever. And yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Um, I haven't watched. I so I watched the opening of it. OK, where it's the camera is panning through this bedroom and you see this like weird looking mask where it's like, oh, OK, is a mask that they pulled off of old Mr. Jenkins or whatever. I That's funny. Oh, yeah. But then it it pans to the diary and it said like there's big letters scratched in it that says, I hate Daphne. Mm. Um, and Velma is talking, then is narrating, talking about bringing together a team of super sleuths or whatever. And then she says like, and it all started with a murder bitch. And I'm right. like, Oh, great. Then we go to a locker room where there's a girl in a towel mm-hmm. and she looks over to a garbage can and sees two cockroaches humping. And says, oh, I hate this school. Then she goes off into the shower area where a bunch of naked girls are all showering. Mm. Uh, It does the anime thing where there's steam and beams of light covering the important stuff. But you get to see their butts. Hey. And and then the first lady gets in there and says, you know, she wants a topic of conversation. And she says something like. Have you ever noticed how pilot episodes of new TV shows always have way more sex and violence than the rest of the series? And at that point, I said, I'm done. Okay, I've skipped almost every Scooby-Doo. I think there's been Scooby-Doo in more years that I've been alive than not. Okay. They just keep pumping this crud out, and I skip it mostly because I don't really love Scooby-Doo that much. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. So should this be any different? I mean, it's got more notoriety in it for probably bad reasons. Um, but I, I mean, it, it, it's the, the, one of the, uh, subjects of conversation right now. So it, it comes up when I'm just like hanging out in the social media. Uh, and, uh, at a glance, I see these obnoxious jokes. Sure. Um, Mm -hmm. and also I'm looking at the designs and I think that Velma mostly looks pretty good and Daphne looks pretty good and they look the best and maybe they should. Right. And Mm -hmm. if you want to market your show. Yeah. But then I look at, uh, Norville, right. That's Shaggy's name. Yeah. Or I look at Fred or I look at anyone else in the show and it's just barely above what I think of as the adult animation ghetto. (sighs) 
and I just skipped ahead. I skipped ahead in the episode a little bit, and I yeah. found the part with Norville, aka Shaggy. Mm-hmm. Look, I don't have a problem with them changing the races of characters because Velma is black, and I've also been, I've read that she may be a lesbian as well. Whatever, Isn't, fine. She's black. Mm-hmm. I thought she'd be Indian, in order um, to it, follow along with um, what's her face, um, Mindy Kaling. Oh, for, well, for yeah. brown skinned in some way. I didn't sure. list, watch it long enough to figure it out. Okay. Um, Norval slash Shaggy is black. Yeah. Um, again, I don't care. That's fine. Yep. What I do care about is the fact that he's made, they've made the character unrecognizable. <laughs> like, the, the only thing that this character has in common with the Shaggy that we know is that he has a green shirt. He's That's not literally uh... it. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't pepper his dialogue with the word like uh, he doesn't seem to be a fraidy cat. He seems to be perfectly competent. Is he a glutton? Um, I don't know, but mm. I'm led to believe that he sure does smoke weed. Huh? All right. And I don't think Scooby the dog is in the show at all. Uh, so I've heard uh, I skipped to another part where there was some kind of a court scene where they were trying to, I guess, Fred was a defendant and he's like this stuck up rich kid. And they were like the solution to the case was demonstrating that he didn't know how to cut and eat his own food. Cause like, he's too spoiled. Right. Yeah. They put a steak in front of him with a knife and fork and challenged him to eat it. And he couldn't figure out how to do it. Hmm. So yeah. Um, clickbait articles may be telling you that Velma is utter garbage as someone who didn't read those and just went and tried to watch the first episode and found it so obnoxious that I couldn't watch more than a few seconds at a time. Right. Um, yeah. Velma is garbage. Okay. Um, I had my suspicions. Yeah. Um, I feel like there was something else. I've been watching a lot of clips of Steven universe and I kind of want to watch Steven universe from start to finish again. Yeah. And I kind of wish there was somebody I knew who hadn't seen it. Like, I, I got that, like, oh, man, this is so good. I wish I could experience it for the first time again. Maybe there's a podcast out there like this one where somebody's going to start it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But just watching, like, oh, man, this scene at the end where White Diamond pulls the diamond out of Steve. That would have so much weight if you would watch the whole series and you knew what was going on. Oh, well, maybe I'll start pa- future. Watching Peridot trying to. I would love it if you started future and yeah. just like, you know, watched one episode per podcast. So you could tell me about what happened. I mean, there's only like 13 episodes. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's only one season. Hmm. Um, but yeah, there's another <laughs> thing that there's another thing that I watched, but it's it's long and I'll probably okay. get into that next week. I think um, Steven Universe fans crack me up when they say yeah. they like Steven Universe, but they don't like any of the filler. So they don't like any of the Beach City stuff, in other words, which is about a third of it, I think. So yeah, come on. It's just, you know, maybe it doesn't contribute to the big, st- big story. But like, I mean, I guess it's the opposite of being puppycat where, you know, being yeah. puppycat, you're like you have these hints that there's a b- the bigger story. But then Steven Universe, you know, there's a bigger story. And when the story is being told, it's told clearly. But then sometimes you just get to watch Onion and these weird hoodlums yes. smash bugs. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Okay, I know that this isn't meaning anything. I know this is just these weirdos doing weirdo stuff. I, just, I think it's a weird stance to really love Steven Universe, except for a third of it. And then yeah. I was thinking about it'd be funny if I was, I was uh, 
musing about how much of future is going to be just onion episodes and the like. <laughs> I uh, hope I hope a big chunk of it. It's the thing about Steven. I mean, the story of Steven Universe is told okay. by the end of Steven Universe. Yeah. Like they had to invent a new antagonist for the movie, right? Yes. Um, and Steven Universe future is really there isn't really a primary villain. Mm-hmm. The conflict is just Steven himself. Like, right. Because Steven is now older. He's an adolescent. And I, I guess I don't know if he's 18 or 16 or whatever it is. But mm. it's like the that's the whole conflict is, you know, this is the aftermath, the denouement. What what is Steven's mindset now that he's been through like a million traumatic experiences from the ages of like 12 to 14? Hmm. I think it might be weird to relate to someone like Connie, uh, you know, as Steven, um, as a child who never went to school. <laughs> um, well, yeah. And like, I imagine she's probably on a trajectory to go to higher learning. Is she, I, I believe, I can't remember if it's the movie or Steven Universe mm-hmm. future, but I think it's future opens like in the early scenes with her, like going to college or something. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, she, she is definitely going off to higher learning and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just who Connie is anyway. Let's stop there. Okay. Um, and move on to you. What, uh, <laughs> what kind of things have you been doing? Well, first off the newsreel here. Um, so I mentioned the funniness of attack on Titans release schedule. How, uh, about a dozen years ago, I guess, they came out with Attack on Titan. Huge hit. And then they took four years off to come out with season two. But <laughs> it was good. Okay. And then eventually they came out with uh, season three. It was good. And then they came out with the final season. But the oh, final right. season... Yeah, the final season ended and it wasn't done. Right. Yeah, you remember this now. And then they had I part two of the final season. Yes. So we're awaiting for the final season part three, and it's <laughs> it's been announced um, for March third. Okay. However, it's the first part of the third part of the final season. There's oh, going to be a come on, <laughs> what? Yes, this is the release schedule designed by Hades. You know, where you this just... is the release. This is the release <laughs> schedule designed by the people who made the. Uh, the Harry Potter movies or the Hobbit yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's already cut into pieces, but what if we cut the last piece smaller? Maybe there's a practical reason, you know, like maybe COVID really derailed a lot of uh, their uh, their last part. But I don't know. It it is a joke at this point, you know. Yeah. That we're just cutting this fraction slower. It's like a. Uh, Green Baby and JoJo's, that baby that the closer you got to it, the smaller you got so that the distance would always be would always be relatively the same. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, anyway, still looking forward to it. Um, yeah, right. So uh, you might recall that I've uh, been reading the Oz books. Oh, yeah. Um, so I started Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz. Yeah. <laughs> um, an accurate title, unlike the prior book, Ozma of Oz, which barely has Ozma and doesn't take place in Oz. But <laughs> <laughs> so this one begins, boy, Dorothy took one book off, but since then, okay, so the, the first time 
she was uh, picked up by a twister and deposited Oz. The second time, she and Uncle Henry were on a cruise, uh, were, were taking a ship to uh, Australia. And, oh, wow. Well, no. yeah. Some uh, inclement weather um, shipwrecked her into the deadly desert. Okay. Um, this time is just after they've gotten back from Australia. Uh, Uncle Henry is visiting a family friend in California, and that uh, that friend's son uh, picks up Dorothy in a wagon. But there's an earthquake, and a fissure opens <laughs> and drops Dorothy uh, Zebediah. That's the the boy, and uh, Jim the horse and Dorothy's new cat Eureka down the fissure. And uh, as it turns out, though, the closer they get to the Earth's core the lesser of gravity. So they actually, with the, uh, uh, <laughs> with the parachute effect of the wagon's canopy, they drift, uh, hmm. gently down. Here's the funny thing though. Um, after they're there for a little while in the underground world, uh, the wizard in his, uh, hot air balloon comes down that same fissure. Hmm. So Dorothy a farm girl from Kansas goes to a fairy kingdom where she meets a huckster from Nebraska. And now they both happen to have fallen down the same fissure in California. What a small world. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just imagining. I mean, I know you're going to keep going on this yep. and I don't mean to interrupt, but I no, just no. have to get this thought that I got in my head out. You know how sometimes there's shows or cartoons which focuses on some character having a strength or weakness that is activated? Like, um, the example that came immediately to my mind was Ron Mahaff. Okay. Where, you know, the guy gets wet, he turns into a girl, right? Okay, yeah. So I'm thinking all these convoluted ways for Dorothy to end up in Oz. I'm thinking of, like, a Flintstone-style thing where, like, you know, anytime she gets hit on the head with a bowling ball, she goes to <laughs> Oz. <laughs> Well, it is that way where, like, uh, Aunt Em and uh, Uncle Henry just trust her, but, like, yeah. she just disappears for weeks on end at times. Um, <laughs> I want to anyway. see that, Dorothy. I want to see that Oz cartoon where it's just Dorothy in Kansas who's like, you know, she's like, Dorothy, go in there and uh, feed some hay to the cows. It's like, oh, but that beam on the roof of that barn came <laughs> yes. loose yesterday. If it hits me on the head, we know what's going to happen. <laughs> and it's like the MGM movie where they all think that she just passed out and dreamt it all. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe every episode is. she's she's like, oh, Dorothy, you and your stories. Yeah, yeah. So like the farmhands are like excited, you know, uh, Dorothy bonked her head. Oh, boy, I want to hear what happened. <laughs> all like running yeah. to hear the story. No. And, <laughs> anyway. and then they all laugh. It's like, oh, Dorothy, you know, it was just a dream. And then like Toto looks at the camera and winks as it irises out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> One last bit here. The uh, the reason why I might move on to Steven uh, Universe Future is I'm done with She-Ra. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, I guess some some last bits of She-Ra to talk about. There's some design changes in the show. Mm -hmm. um, She-Ra herself looks so much better in her new design. Her uh, tiara makes sense. And everything else looks better. I like the long pants on her. Oh, yeah. 
what I kind of feel is that those first designs that drive me crazy, that uh, a couple years into the show, um, the creatives got better. And so, like, you know, Glimmer's got a slightly new design. Um, Catra, the short hair Catra, so much better. Mm. That early, okay, they they ditched her her, uh, face guard, which never, they never really understood the animators, uh, I think. And then her hair before was like a Playmobil plastic shell. (laughs) You know, I, I just hated it. But now with her shorter hair, great. And then there's a little bit of fantasy that she uh, that Adora has where she's got a ponytail. That's great, too. <laughs> I really feel like they figured some stuff out over the course of the series and made better. And other characters, too, get like temporary outfits, you know, that look better than their usual ones. So. Right. So, yeah, I think design wise, there's a, a nice little step up toward the end. Now, I do kind of feel like I don't like or. I definitely feel like I don't like uh, Horde Prime's homogenous forces, how they're mm-hmm. all just hordes. Um, oh, I mean, that's kind of the point. He wants everything to be the same and he wants it to be him. It is kind of, except his main weapon is uh, a metal installment that corrupts people. So you'd think he would have a more diverse force. Maybe he disposes all of, of all of them at the end. I don't know, but yeah. Um, and I can see from their perspective why you know if they're just going to make good guys into bad guys, then they probably didn't want to design a whole bunch of new characters. Yeah. But I would have liked a little bit more. Um, that said, I do like Horde Prime. I do wish I wish that he got to be more of a physical threat. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen him be super strong or have some tricks as opposed to all basically be a cyber hacking threat. I mean, they do kind of detail one of his powers that even when you get rid of the one that's the one, you're not, you haven't really got rid of him because he's in a network. Yeah. Um, uh, so that was all, the, <laughs> that was all fine. I think um, the climax was good. The climax is uh, all the climaxes in the show are pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure I'm down for shadow weavers. Um, uh, one good act. I would have liked to have seen her rather be another obstacle, you know, like betray them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I I quite liked uh, not Hordak. <laughs> yeah, the character yeah, yeah. they accidentally abduct. Thinking Was it he's wrong Hordak. Hordak I think they wrong Hordak. Yeah, you're right. Wrong Hordak. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I don't really agree with Hordak. Uh, I think Remista's line at the end is like when when they watch she watches. Hordak and uh, and Trapta hanging out. Like, are we okay with this? I guess yeah. we are, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, are you? They sanitize, they sanitize war quite a lot, but I assume Hordak was one terrible butcher. And yeah. Catra, too, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, Catra wanted to be, but... It, well, she probably... I mean, when they when they conquered Mermissa's kingdom, they probably killed a bunch of people, I would assume. And if not yeah. that... Again, we're talking about war, right? That that a lot of people suffered a lot of hardship, probably That's starved. True. Yeah. But I guess they we don't really care about that. <laughs> <laughs> now, for me, I would kind of think, yeah, okay, Entrapped and Hordak can can be together as friends again, but they should like res- resume their evil ways. 
<laughs> you know, they, they, they should take off and be villains on the run. That would be better for my, for my tastes. Um, mm-hmm. I also felt that they kind of tacked on a lot of uh, I love you relationships at the end there. Yeah, kind of. Like, Bo Glimmer, or, which would be Blimmer. Uh, Glimbo, Glow. Glimbo. Glow. Glow. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't really know that that makes sense. And of yeah. course, of course, I would have preferred had Seahawk just been vaporized. <laughs> well, <laughs> what's she going to do, right? Well, you know, if you if you beat down the girl long enough, she'll eventually fall for you. Uh, right. It's the, it's the old story. We will uh, see that in this very episode, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let, let's get to that, I guess. I guess I guess I have to outline some basics, huh? Yeah, uh, sure. Go um Okay. G- go ahead. Explain to me what is The Legend of Zelda? It's a video game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, everybody knows Zelda, I think, but just in case, Nintendo released the first Legend of Zelda in 1986-1987 on this side of the ocean. Hmm. Uh, it's a sword and sorcery adventure game, and there's powerful artifacts called the Triforces that are linked to three heroic figures. Uh, the villainous pig wizard Ganon possesses the Triforce of Power. The titular princess Zelda draws her magic from the Triforce of Wisdom. And the main character, a young swordsman named Link, is bonded to the Triforce of Courage. Don't worry about that. Um, yeah, this uh, this cartoon was before Zelda 2 came out in North America, so there was only two Triforces. Yeah. Which um, drives my sister insane. Well, I mean, I don't don't even know how much the Triforce of Power is involved in any plot line of the show, so... It's just, if you get both, then you rule everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, Mario Brothers and The Legend of Zelda were the one-two punch of Nintendo's brand identity, each a half of the Nintendo serial system. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And similarly to how their colorful marshmallows mixed in the cereal, they cohabitated in one cartoon, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. On Mondays through Thursdays, a passable episode with Mario and the gang was featured. But (laughs) Fridays, oh man, Fridays were special. You got a story from The Legend of Zelda. They would tease it all week as the payoff you just couldn't miss. Yeah. Uh, Those cartoon makers at Deke didn't have a lot of personality to work with from the uh, Zelda games, so they emulated a love-hate relationship for Link and Zelda from a show called Moonlighting, one of those will-they-won't-they they kind of things. Uh, Link is obnoxious and self-important, and Zelda is a big tease. And Ganon is an evil guy. Yeah. Uh, aside from Ganon's monsters, the cast is rounded out by Zelda's father, King Harkinian, and Sprite, a Tinkerbell-like fairy, or maybe more like Glitter from Kid Video, because Deke <laughs> sure loved its precocious little fairies. Um, many plots revolve around Ganon wanting to acquire the Triforce of Wisdom, as you said, so he can rule everything. Uh, you know, as a kid, I'd pretty much never seen The Legend of Zelda played. No. So, th- yeah, so this cartoon was the touchstone for me about all the lore and everything. And in fact, when I would hum the famous overworld turn, uh, overworld tune, 
I unlearned the melody from this cartoon since it's different from the one in the games. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the show, the, there's like, there's only like three musics in The Legend yeah. of Zelda. So this, uh, this cartoon didn't have much to go on for making in, you know, ambient music. I like the, their interpretation of the dungeon theme. Yeah. It is good. Anyway. I think I think I've covered what you need to know. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, just one quick note. I I recently, well, not recently, it was a few years ago at this point, but I read like the official story of the original Legend of Zelda. Yes. And something because the the point of that game is that you have to go to eight dungeons to collect the eight pieces of the Triforces of wi Triforce of Wisdom. Yeah. And combine it so that you can go into level nine and fight Ganon. Right. And. What I didn't know is that the Triforce was broken up and hidden by Zelda. Oh. Hmm. So I'm looking at this and thinking all of these monsters and traps and dungeons that Link has to go through to get these Triforces, mm. Zelda put there. They're not Ganon's minions. It's Zelda's defenses against Ganon that Link is thwarting. Huh. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe there was just like a pipe or a bunch of or like a crack that she just dropped the Triforce in mm. and it plinkoed all the way down past all those monsters. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, whatever. Who cares? Uh, mm. we, we need to talk about the four episodes that we're watching here. And the first one is called Sing for the Unicorn. Hmm. All right. So it starts out after a big deal where uh, sexual predator Link <laughs> wants to get a kiss from the princess. Get used to that. Right. Um, meanwhile, uh, there's a portal that opens up. Ganon has the ability to, I guess, open up magic because he is a wizard. Yep. And he has the ability to open up portals and uh, transport himself and his minions around because he wants mm. that Triforce. And this time, though, it's different because he's on this white alicorn. A flying unicorn, sorry. Flying unicorn, yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, Link swings... Oh, <laughs> Zelda's dad actually gives him advice on how to rape his daughter. Right, he so, gives her the approval. Yeah. Um, so, okay, dad says it's okay, and, you know, it's 1989, so dad's approval is all it takes. So he swings on a rope, uh presumably attached to whatever Spider-Man attaches his webs to, <laughs> uh, and swings into Zelda's bedroom to present her with some flowers, which will surely win him a kiss. Kiss me, princess. Uh, but while that's going on, the king is kidnapped by Ganon on his, uh, his flying unicorn. Link, of course, jumps into action to try to save him, uh, but he ends up failing and falling. Fortunately, Oh, because this is a flying unicorn, right? And he, right. he goes to the tail, he falls off, and the things happen. He falls, yeah. but Zelda puts a pile of uh, hay underneath him, which breaks his several thousand feet in the air fall. <laughs> well, unlike uh, Assassin's Creed, he does break the wagon, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, instance number two of Kiss Me, Princess. Oh, but mm -hmm. he failed to catch the king. Instance number one of, excuse me, princess. You know if what, you though? 
what? I think he actually says, this always happens more than he says, excuse me. Well, he says it every time he doesn't get a kiss, which is always. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Ganon's new plan is to ransom the king for the Triforce of Wisdom. He's stuck in a chamber where the floor is, I guess, disappearing with a thing of Slowly. light. And she has like an hour yeah. to deliver the Triforce of Wisdom. And uh, they, well, they don't have the Triforce. They're just going to go rescue him. Zelda and mm. Link are. So they head to Death Mountain, where Ganon hi hangs out. And uh, it does the thing where, you know, Link says, now, Zelda, don't you touch those statues. And Zelda immediately touches a statue and goes, why? This is an accurate representation of an enemy in the game called Armos, which are statues that come to life if you touch them. Hmm. Uh, they fight them off. Zelda is saved. Kiss me, princess. And but then a trap door that happens to be directly below where they happen to be standing opens up and they fall down and have to fight some skeletons called Stalfos in the Zelda universe. Mm. Things are getting bleak, but they are saved by a stranger. Turns out to be a lady. And mm -hmm. this lady, and of course, you know, Hornball Link, despite the girl that he's been trying to kiss, standing right there, immediately starts making moves on this other lady. But Zelda, mm -hmm. Zelda cuts him off. She's going to find out what's going on. Turns out that this lady is named Sing. She owns the unicorn, which Ganon stole. She's from a faraway land, which is to say she's Asian. I don't know. It's got unicorns, so I'm going to say Scotland. Hmm. <laughs> yes. Okay. I, her, her language sure is weird, though. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, they continue on. Uh, Link fights off some Lionels, which are one of the most feared enemies in the Zelda canon, uh, particularly in the game Breath of the Wild. And once he defeats them, they drop a whistle. Whistle being a useful item, which uh, summons teleporting uh, tornadoes. Hey, that's that ties in. Pause. Man, yeah, imagine yeah. if Dorothy had one of these whistles. Well, she practically does. <laughs> yeah. The magic it's called, belt. It's called her vulnerable head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the uh, disasters that seem to follow her around everywhere. <laughs> Well, anyway. it's probably in the public domain. You can write your uh, Dorothy Headwound story. <laughs> <laughs> That's her last name now. Dorothy Headwound. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the unicorn is right there at the gate. So Sing immediately recovers it. Uh, there's an Armos with a bomb, which drops and explodes. And hey, it just happens to be right above where the king is uh, trapped. Ganon and Link fight on the bridge. Of course, the suspension bridge is knocked down before Link can deliver the death blow or de-energizing blow. Nobody dies in this. They just, well, mm. magical creatures die, presumably. Well, they, they, their essence goes back to Ganon's big lamp. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, now, Ganon, being a boss, takes not one but two hits to kill. And Link only hits him once. Um... But Zelda hits him with a boomerang, and that de-energizes him. Actually, what you have to do is hit him several times with the sword until he turns red, and then hit him with a silver arrow to kill him. But anyway, hmm. the king falls. Ah, but Sing on her unicorn rescues him. And uh, then, since Ganon's gone and they've saved the unicorn, Link blows the whistle, 
and the whirlwind warps them to safety. Kiss me, princess. That warp whistle music. Exactly the warp whistle it's music. It's exactly the warp. Well, they use a yeah. lot of the sound effects from the yeah, game, yeah. like the the shink of... Because Link, Link shoots. He doesn't stab with his sword. He shoots uh, beams um, mm. because his life meter is full, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like Link, a, a neat touch that I'm sure the uh, creators of the show didn't even realize. Zelda, when she summons an arrow in her magic bow, it makes the rupee pickup noise. Mm. And in the game, rupees are actually the ammunition for the bow. So oh, that was actually accurate. Hmm. Anyway, uh, at the end, Sing leaves without any dialogue from anyone. Huh. They just right. wave. Um, okay. Hmm. Now, now you lamented that you'd probably watch these without these uh, Super Show Captain Lou Albano live action parts. Right. I the first I I often watch the shows twice once just to enjoy them and then a second time to make my notes the yeah. second time I made sure to hunt out the episodes with the live action parts okay so I have that info and this one uh, in their plumber's workshop they discover an old man who had been sleeping there named Fred Van Winkle oh boy he wakes up from his nap and the brothers try to catch him up on modern times but. All that uh, info is so tiring that he goes for an eight-year nap. Hmm. And uh, Winkle is played by Norman Fell, Mr. Roper from Three's Company. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Jeez, eight-year nap. He's going to wake up and it's going to be like... 1997. He says the exact year. And Mario's like counting his fingers. 1997! And then Luigi does the math for him. That's eight years! Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Super Mario 64 will be the current game at that time. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, this episode is light on plot, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. There's plenty of action, a ton of monster variety. I quite enjoyed it. I think this is a perfectly acceptable little adventure cartoon, except for the absolutely unlikable main character. (laughs) Now, as a kid, did you like him? I don't even remember. I, I, think, I think at I, that point, I just I was just hungry for any Nintendo content I could get. In my circle, I think we liked the show, but we thought he was stupid. Hmm. He is. Okay. He's insufferable. He's unbearable. Sure. He's the worst. <laughs> All right. I so by that token, one. I guess you can't give any of these episodes a decent score. You know what? I actually do. Um, okay. I am going to give this episode, I think, four orange rupees. Okay. Um, I it loses one. It loses one orange rupee just for Link's presence. But except for Link, it's actually all right. Yeah, yeah. And it looks good. And there's nice action. Great Zelda backflip. Um, I'm giving this four bomb to dongos out of five. (laughs) Oh, wow. All right. Next. Uh, What are we doing here? We're doing uh, Fairies in the Spring, Hmm. written by Bob and Marsha Forward. I think they all All are. Yeah. Um, So at the beginning here, like I said, I got the live action part for you. Captain Lou is eating some pizza and rocking out to his own song. And then comes in the pizza delivery lady, Jody, 
Mario thinks Luigi has been ordering him pizza continuously. Not that he minds. It turns out that Luigi hasn't been, though. Who could be ordering this pizza? <laughs> On to The Legend of Zelda. Okay. So, it's a hot day in Hyrule. King Harkinian cools off in the fountain while his... He's a crazy king. While his subjects build his royal water park. Uh, as a side note, Sprite is on vacation visiting her family. Mm. Anyway, at the site of the nearly completed water park, Hylian soldiers are just about finished, but they're interrupted by the appearance of water elementals. So later Link and Zelda go to investigate. Uh, it, it immediately struck me how crummy the backgrounds are in this episode. <laughs> There's a lot of parallel, in theory, uh, equal bricks. That's both in the water park and in the castle. By the way, a stone water park would probably be pretty uncomfortable. I mean, the slides. The slides would certainly be uncomfortable. Oh, gosh, yes. Um, anyway, there's also some really sad grass tr and trees and sky. It makes Pokemon backgrounds look like a work of art. <laughs> um, anyway, at the water park, Link shoots an elemental, but Zelda feels that that's not one of Ganon's creatures. She's right. That's uh, not an enemy that appears in The Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Um, so the both of them are flushed down the slide by some onrushing water, and then an electric eel monster pulls Zelda under. Link frees her, but then he gets shocked, so it's her turn to save him by using her crossbow. I always especially like the miniaturized items in their pouches. Yeah. Which might have been an interpretation for how Link can carry all this stuff. But I, I just, as a kid, I love that, seeing her pull out this tiny crossbow, tap it, and then it would become regular-sized. Yeah. Um, I'm now, sure if, that I'm sure that young me was amused by that and annoyed by yeah. the fact that there is no crossbow in The Legend of Zelda. I think only she uses it, though. Yeah, but still, I would have been the I'm the kind of Nintendo fanboy at the time who would have been like, that's not in the game. Well, Zelda doesn't regular do any heroics bow. in the game, so yeah, maybe that's part of her retinue. Um, mm -hmm. Now, what I miss though. As I don't think in any episode they show the pocket ladder or pocket raft. <laughs> um, anyway, the two heroes are seized by giant crabs next, but luckily they're able to shoot each other's captors. Um, the king shows up then, heedless to any danger, and accordingly he's pulled underwater by a tentacle. And though Link swims to save him, both the king and the tentacle are gone! So... Uh, the princess and the hero return to the castle to get counsel from the Triforce of Wisdom. It can talk. Uh, and it tells them to go back underwater. Zelda brings the Triforce with her and uses its magic to place breathing bubbles over their heads. The only possibility under there is the drain. And as though to confirm the suspicion, a monster fish busts through and snags the Triforce as though it was bait, dragging Zelda away and down the drain. Zelda stops the fish with a wall of ice. You know, magic. And Link shoots it dead. Uh, when they surface in this new locale, it's at a spring that feels somehow familiar. Anyway, there's a magic force that creates water elementals to fight the duo. And while Link keeps them busy, Zelda captures their summoner, a little fairy. That fairy is Sprite's older sister. And it turns out that the water park is connected to the spring of the fairies 
and the little ones were just defending their water. Uh, king Harkinian is there. He's been having a little discussion with the fairy king, who basically looks like a miniature version of himself. <laughs> um, so when they install their magic cycling system with the water the park already has, uh, everything will be good, and both the fairies and Hylians alike enjoy the slides. Uh, when it seems like Link will finally get a kiss from Zelda, zaps from a jealous sprite, Octorok block him. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> this always so, happens. Yes. <laughs> um, so back to the crummy live action stuff. Uh, they, the, the brothers figure out that Jody has been delivering all the pizza because she's got the hots for Mario. And Luigi wants to know if she's got a uh, if she's got a sister that delivers pizza. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I was really half expecting her to yes, and it's like she's like fat and ugly, and there'd be a joke about that. Oh no, she's hot. The uh, well, not really. But, no, I mean but, like the sister. Like oh, that, that okay, seems okay, like yeah, the yeah. mean spirited joke that they would make in 1989. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before she comes in to deliver that first pizza, you know the. <laughs> Their workshop is full of all kinds of crazy crud. There's yeah. a cuckoo clock that comes out and says, Oh, hot babe coming in. Anyway. Um, so this episode, it really stood out as an anachronism way back that they have this water park. Yeah. Um, so it stuck out again, really as an, oh, I see moment when it turns out to be one of the top three rated episodes. <laughs> I, uh, but, you know, I guess it stands out when probably a lot of these episodes seem very samey. Also, yeah. no Ganon. No Ganon. Um, I, I guess I appreciate in some ways the expanding on the Zelda universe. Like, not everything sure. has to be Ganon and his specific retinue of enemies. There can be other stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, it's not the best animation. Like I said, the backgrounds are terrible. But... Yeah. They go on an adventure. Um, they fight again. A, a big thing for me, they fight quite a diverse group of enemies. Um, so for me, I'm rounding this one up to three Lynx crossbow training discs out of five. Yeah, I kind of really went back and forth on what to rate this because like every good point had a bad point to counteract it. Um, right. I think I'm going to go with three hits to the final boss out of five. Hmm. Well, we're, we're uh, right there with each other still. Keeping in mind that like four is pretty much as high as this can go because it automatically loses a point for Link being in it. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's an episode. Forget Ganon. Maybe there's an episode without Link. Huh. Oh, uh, we can hope. This, t this, this title suggests it, but... Yeah, uh, well, let's see. Um next episode's called The Missing Link. All right. Yep. Uh, Zelda is picking flowers and Ganon's forces attack. <laughs> this uh, it seems pretty straightforward. Yes. Uh, Link fights back while Zelda goes to get the Triforce of Wisdom. Now, Ganon is there on a palanquin. Is it a palanquin? Yeah. No, it would be... No, would a palanquin's like a box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is a, a, uh, a palisade chair, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's being carried yeah. by enemies. Anyway. Yeah. He's got the wand, which is an item in The Legend of Zelda. And I wrote this out because this <laughs> this line cracked me up. Mm -hmm. 
he because, you know, Link is there and Ganon says, I want Zelda. My new wand of power will allow me to zap her into my evil jar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the kind of thing wizards do, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Evil jar. Anyways, I like Zel- his evil jar. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, like I, it's you know it it makes sense. It's like this is where he gets his unlimited supply of enemies from. They just yep. de-energize back into his evil jar, mm. and he says it like that too. It's not an evil jar, like yep. a jar that is evil. It's an evil jar, as in Hyphenated a jar full of word. evil. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he tries to zap, but Zelda deflects it. But it ricochets all over the place and zaps Link away. Ah. Now, Shame on him. He tracked all those rebounds and still got hit. Yeah, he is going to have a lot of trouble fighting. uh, What was his name? I was going to say, if only the Silverhawks were there to play hacky sack with that shot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking there's a boss in uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. I can't think of his name. He's the wizard where you have to actually Agnim. That's it. Also, I think you deflect um, attacks from calamity ganon at the end of breath of the wild as well so link you mm. better get a hold of this deflecting thing because uh you're right. gonna need it later anyway so zelda is there with the triforce but instead of just taking the triforce without link around ganon leaves yeah because see he figures now link is in his evil jar and he'll uh, just hold Link for ransom i guess um zelda yeah weeps over the destroyed link and i noted the word destroyed there because this is a time where cartoons really didn't like to use the words dead or death or dying unless it's scooby-doo and they reach a dead end and shaggy says like (laughs) did you have to say dead end probably not norval though no norval would be i don't even know what norval would just be smoking weed (sighs) idiot anyway yeah, back okay. to this good cartoon. Yeah, yeah, this good one. Okay, so here's the deal. Z- uh, she's crying, but then Link shows up as a ghost. Turns out that because the zap was weakened by ricocheting around so much, it didn't destroy Link. It just separated his spirit from his body. Zelda can see him and she can hear him, but Sprite demonstrates that she can only hear him. Seems like only Zelda mm. can see him for some reason. Huh. Hmm. Well... They head back to get his body. Kiss me, princess. Hmm. Now, Ganon is trying to wake up Link, but can't. He won't wake up, and he can't figure out why. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, Zelda and Ghost Link go to Death Mountain, and Zelda has to use the sword, uh, where Link offensively says that she swings like a girl, uh, mm. despite the fact that she is a girl. Excuse me, princess. She's got a lot of recoil, that sword. Yeah. And Link helps with that, you know, telling her beginners use two hands. And uh, with with his help, they actually manage to fight off some Stelfos. Excuse me, princess. Kiss me, princess. Excuse <laughs> me, princess. <laughs> this episode broke. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just saying it once for like I made note of every time one of those two things happened. Oh, uh, OK. And it happened like a lot right there. Okay. Okay. So, but in the process of all this excusing and kissing, 
there's a Stalfos that grabbed Zelda, but was scared off when he heard uh, Link's voice. And this Stalfos reports to Ganon that Zelda is coming and apparently Link is with her. Now, Ganon figures out the only reason that Zelda would be able to see Link is if she's in love with him, because this is a Disney movie in 1940. I like that he's so gobsmacked by it, too. Yeah. No, it can't be. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Now, are going to break out and gossip then. <laughs> Link and Zelda overhear this and the idiot, stupid, terrible idiot Link starts cheering about the fact that Zelda loves him, which, of course, alerts everybody to their presence. And again, the idiot. Oh, they can't see me. Yeah, but they can see Zelda, you frigging moron, terrible person. <laughs> Zelda hoes, holds, holds, holds off the foes. Well, Link mm. gets into the evil jar and merges with his body. Just like that. Just like that. Well, I mean, it's it's fair. I don't, you know, if the spirit and body are separated, I don't mind the fact that it's easy for them to get back together. If this were a smarter story, <laughs> he would have scouted ahead, found his body, and then determined, like, well, I, I'm, I'll be defenseless if I go in. So then they plan for Zelda to distract them so he can do what he's about to do. Hmm. Uh, there's an awkward uh, bit here where as soon as he comes back to life, Link grabs the Stalfos, eventually tells the Stalfos to give him a bomb. I counted this. The Stalfos yeah. waits six seconds with nothing going on except animation of Link's mouth moving and no dialogue coming out. Whoops. And then gives him a bomb. And it's at this point waiting and waiting and waiting for this Stalfos to do something that I increased the speed that I was watching this at to two times. Mm -hmm. I found it a little too fast to hear the dialogue. Okay. So I knocked it down to 1.5 times speed. Yeah. And this show sounds normal. And I, I went back and watched the other episodes again. Well, at least at least the Sing for the Unicorn one. I watched that one yeah. again so I could take notes. And I watched it at 1.5 speed. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it was supposed to be this way. Weird. It's especially the king. He talks so slowly that if you increase it to 1.5, just add 50% to the speed... It sounds like normal human dialogue. It was actually kind of shocking. Like they they have so little to work with that they had to make everything go so slow. That it only sounds normal if you speed it up and then it sounds perfectly normal. Boy, weird. It's like you're going to make a conspiracy theory here where it was supposed to be half episodes, <laughs> but they just stretched one out. Well, I wondered, I actually wondered about this. Like, is, is this yeah. like shady uploaded version, like encoded wrong or something? But then the end credits with uh, Captain Lou Albano singing the do the Mario song came on and it was yeah, normal yeah. speed. So I'm like, oh, OK, no, this is encoded properly. It's just that it was made right. badly. Got it. Huh. Weird. Anyway, with his bomb, Link bursts out of the evil jar, destroying the evil jar in the process. And the, I guess, evil water sweeps Ganon away. And mm. now that the, uh, I don't know, final boss is 
questionably defeated, the whole place starts to collapse. And mm. uh, Link and Zelda are back home. Kiss me, princess. Oh, but then he falls into an inconvenient hole. This always happens. <laughs> and she laughs for a long time. She laughs um, for a long time, almost as if it was supposed to be 50% less time. <laughs> but they just didn't have any material to work with. All right. God, um, we got to get this to 20 minutes somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. This was an okay idea, but I just can't get over the, like, 1989 sexism of it. Like, it's not the most egregious stuff, but it's still, like, Zelda's, you know, she has to be on her mm -hmm. own, but she's useless, and everything revolves around her being in love with the important male character. You know, the funny thing is she's not, though. Like, for the most part, this show is presented where she's sort of an equal partner Mostly. to adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like her backflips. Boy, did she, did she do a bunch of them uh, in this show. Yeah, yeah. They must have really liked animating that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. This is the top-rated episode. I don't think it's as good as the unicorn one. No, I... It's not animated as well as it even. This, it, it's got some problems. I didn't like this one as much as the other ones. I don't, I didn't, except for the presence of Link, I didn't really hate it. I just didn't feel no, like it either. had much going on for it at all. Um, oh, I should tell you about the, uh, the live action for this. Um, oh. So you know how often Mario will be at his medicine cabinet and you'll open the mirror and there's a special guest behind it. <laughs> well, this special guest really wasn't this special because I don't know who it is. It's Lil Robert, a uh, famous musician who, you know, sings Tutti Frutti. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. And they invite him in to have a meal, but Luigi hides a recorder in the meal so that they can get a great souvenir of this famous musician singing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! And he he tries to coach them. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's lame and point. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, what are we rating this thing? Um, I'm gonna rate this one. Hmm. Well, I was gonna say three triforces out of five, but there's not five triforces. So, uh, what's something hmm, that there's three screen. of in Zelda? Um. Oh, no, I already uh, three. Well, you mean that there's five of. Oh, yeah. What is there five of? Um, there's oh, I don't know. Uh, five, three. Uh, th oh, it's broken down. Three uh, uh. heart containers out of five that. Oh, three. Th um, hang on. Let me do the math here. There's a 16 minus eight minus three. Eight, 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 eight. <laughs> OK, it's three of the heart containers that you can find outside of dungeons out of five. All right, you did it. I yeah, was I less pulled specific. It off. Uh, three angry cuckoos out of five. All right. OK, so uh, we got des dessert now. We got <laughs> quest for the potion of power. More Which like desert. <laughs> yeah, right. Which is actually a Captain N episode uh, written by Rick Merwin in 1990. So you remember the deal with Captain N, right? Mm. Videoland is the merging of all video game settings 
and Kevin was pulled into his television to become a destined warrior for good, Captain N. He uses his light zapper and control pad to combat all the baddies. So this episode merges The Legend of Zelda into the show, complete with the same voices. Yeah, I I did appreciate that. Yes. Uh, apparently, by this time, Ganon has been defeated, but rumors of his revival stirs the Moblins into causing trouble. Okay, uh, so, so far... From yes. that just from that just description there, it's this the is a lot of two. This is a relatively yeah. it's it's part of the plot of Zelda two in which mm-hmm. this takes place after Ganon has been defeated. And in Zelda two, Link is on a quest to wake up Princess Zelda, but it's a different Princess Zelda. This is the first like time skip, right? Like, different generation Zelda thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she's asleep, but also the villain is. The villains of Hyrule are trying to kill Link because by sprinkling his blood on Ganon's ashes, it will resurrect him. That's their potion of power. Yes. It's funny, as you were talking there about the timeline, I was imagining, you know, the book, The History of Hyrule, that has the branching timelines for, like, Wind Waker and so on? Yeah. That they add a new timeline for the cartoons? It's like Homestuck. Every version of Link and Zelda is canon. Right. Um, All right. So in this, uh, Zelda calls the Palace of Power to request the help of Captain N. And he takes along a new hero of the show, Game Boy. Oh, boy. If you wanted proof that this was a toy commercial, this is it. Because at least Mega Man and Belmont are characters with lore and personalities. Uh, anyway, this is uh, Frank Welker, because of course it is. Of course. It's, uh, man, it's Frank Welker after a whole bunch of whirring and noises and stuff. Anyway. Yeah, um, it's like Robot Slimer. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Um, so there's a meeting between those two, that's to say uh, Captain N and uh, uh, Game Boy and Link and Zelda. Link has a light injury to his leg, and I guess that's introduced to have him save a little face for sucking so hard in this episode. Uh, Of course, spying on all this through One Ring surveillance is Mother Brain. (laughs) The Pigman's minions want to find the Potion of Power to restore their leader, so the good guys are going to recover it first. Mother Brain wants to ally with Ganon, so King Hippo and Eggplant Wizard are going to recover the potion first. Um, the good guys look for information in a town, and after they save a woman and her child from Moblins, she gives them a map to a temple that has a clue. They fight through the desert, while Hippo and Eggplant follow them. Kevin gets on Link's bad side when he refers to their adventure as a game. Of course. I mean, I wonder if any of the worlds in Videoland only know of their own existence and Hmm. then are shaken existentially when they learn that they're just one of many worlds. And then even worse, when they learn that there are video games in another world, very primitive video games. Do you ever see that theory that our existence is uh, a simulation? Yeah. Yeah. How about that? But they're real? I I don't know. I don't think the things Kevin does are 
It's it's like a storybook because he's already defeated Ganon, I'm sure, when he played Legend of Zelda. So Well yeah, but this but he's in Zelda 2 now. Oh right. Oh, that's what happened. Uh between this and the super show. Yeah. Kevin beat beat Ganon and they have no idea what happened. Yeah, he's just he, gone. He They're finished out. he finished the Legend of Zelda and he bought Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link. Okay, okay. Makes sense. Okay, so anyway. Um, Link, with his ego bruised from a couple of slip-ups, he compounds his problems by trying to do too much, getting into trouble, and setting up Kevin to save the day. And you want to know the real rub? Yeah. Kevin earns a kiss on the cheek from Zelda. Oh, boy. Um, this always happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, all during these temple fights, the soundtrack is really real Ghostbusters-y. <laughs> Can you feel the heat? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's kind of weird. Um, so, uh, they eventually get the parchment and key that will lead them to the potion, but that triggers a boss fight against Horsehead. Hmm. Link tries to solo the boss and gets his ass kicked. So Kevin has to upstage him again. Anyway, the parchment's clue leads them to the Island Palace. So, anyway, there's a, there's um, a, yeah, this is actually, so far, this is relatively accurate to Zelda 2. Because the first mm-hmm. the first temple is in the desert, uh, yep. and the and the boss is Horsehead, although he's mm-hmm. not a centaur; he's just a guy with a horse head. Um, mm-hmm. The item you get there, if I remember correctly, is the candle, which lets you see in dark caves. Uh, the key, the magic key, is in the sixth or. I can't remember how many temples there are in Zelda 2, but it's one of the later ones. I think it's like the second to last one. So is Stickler you upset they've condensed this? Nah, they put the wrong things in the wrong... Well, also, I mean, the you know the thing that's going to finish the game is in, like, the second palace, which is actually the third. They skipped the Swamp Palace. The island is the... Palace is the second... Or the, the island palace is the third one. The second palace is in the Swamp. Funny enough, they are in the Swamp, though, at this point. Um... <laughs> There's a bunch of Moas flying eyeballs. No, no, no. This uh, isn't the swamp. This is the graveyard because the graveyard has the oh, secret okay. passage that goes to the island that the third palace is on. Okay. Um, well, at any rate, they got to fight some fly- floating eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the foursome racks up some kills and poor old Link falls down the secret passage. Yeah. King Hippo and Eggplant Wizard chicken out because of the monsters. So they instead take a raft to the palace and I'm hoping it was one of those pocket rafts. <laughs> um, in the palace, uh, the good guys fight some more monsters, and the strife escalates between the boy heroes. Uh, Kevin acquires a vial of magic from the loot. So the group uses their key to get into a chamber of statues of armored figures, and the Sing for the Unicorn episode has prepared us to know that one of these is going to be an enemy. Uh, This time it's Iron Knuckle, Mm -hmm. a mounted knight. Uh, While the good guys are engaged, Eggplant and Hippo steal the potion of power. Uh, Finally agreeing to work together, Link and Kevin and Zelda pull their shots to take out the boss. It's no good, though, because Mother Brain's goons get away. But it's not all for nothing. Link and Kevin have bonded and now work well together. Anyway, Kevin sends Game Boy back to the Palace of Power to rally the end team for the final fight against Ganon and Mother Brain. They all show up to find a depowered, 
cutie pig version of Ganon <laughs> receiving the potion. Yeah, he's like laid out on a slab. How's this um, pig watch? It's good. He's cute. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I like uh, Super Show Ganon. I think he's cool. Right. Um. Actually, <laughs> the Ganon is voiced by Burt Raccoon, Len Carlson. Mm-hmm. I was imagining it open like, this is the Hylian Forest. Quiet, <laughs> peaceful, serene. That is until Ganon wakes up. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> yeah. I do like that he somehow sometimes lowers his voice so it's not just Burt Raccoon. Right. But yeah, Right. And, and he's got like, he's got a layered voice too. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's, it's Burt Raccoon. Cool. It, it's part of what makes him so cool. Yeah. Um. However, in this instance, um, so he uh, he grows in size and horridness, and I think, just like the music, his his design in this show is real Ghostbustersy. <laughs> um. So the restored Lord of Evil blows away Mother Brain because he hasn't learned any lessons about cooperation. <laughs> but remember that vial of magic. Kevin applies it to Link's shield so that it can reflect Ganon's magic for a one-shot win. No, oh, he finally you know, learned usually, to reflect. Right. Usually he's got to do it an unbearable number of times, but just one this, for this cartoon. Yeah. Um, that magic takes Ganon, Mother Brain, King Hippo, and Eggplant Wizard off to the sky. You know, it looks like we're blasting off again. Yeah. I wonder what the... Po um, Boy, if there was a Pokemon world, Pokeland... In yes. Captain N, like, I'm sure that Pikachu would be green and like, <laughs> yes, Ash would, uh, I don't know. He'd look, he'd, he, he'd look almost like, but his like baseball cap would be blue and he would have like blonde hair and like some kind of vest covered in pokeballs and the pokeballs would all be like black and white and it would just be garbage all over. They'd be funky. I mean... I like the designs of Captain N. And you know my favorite, of mm. course, King Hippo. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I just love that he's, his gut's kind of over top. I was thinking, like, how weird is that he's not in, in sh uh, boxing shorts, but that yeah. he's in pants is perfect. He looks so <laughs> funny in those yellow sneakers. Love it all. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this show, as I, as I mentioned, is closer to the real Ghostbusters than Super Show is, for sure. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm missing the plot here. The The... Which there's none left. Uh, <laughs> the, the bad guys got blown away. The end team was there but did nothing, <laughs> and the episode ends really abruptly. Yeah. Um, I can only assume so, that Ganon is going to continue to be a villain in the whatever episodes this show has left in its run. Yeah, there are two more I think. Yeah. That feature Link and Zelda there. Speaking of them, I think the Captain N interpretations of their designs are a mixed bag. Mm. I mean, the illustration level is certainly higher. Um, but I think I prefer the Super Show versions of Ganon and Zelda. But Link, Link's a huge improvement. And not just his look. I think even though he's kind of a whiny little dork in this, uh, you probably like this one better than the, uh, his appearance in those other three episodes. He's, a, not an ob he's not an obnoxious sexual predator now. He's just kind of an edgelord. Mm, uh, right, right. I here's the thing. I hate everything about Captain in the Game Master. So it's hard mm. for me to objectively say that this version of Link is better or worse because I just hate it completely. 
You know what I don't like is Captain N himself. No. Um, now, now I look at him and I think he's okay, I guess. But uh, as a kid, I always felt he was a big dork. <laughs> and it's probably, for one, I hated his varsity jacket. Um, and uh, I was probably also poisoned by the looks of his uh, real life actor, too. <laughs> the live action actor. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is... Okay. Um, overall, I kind of like this, though. Like, uh, again, there's a lot of action, some variety. Um, the designs are nice. Uh, overall, pretty enjoyable. So I am giving this episode four pocket rats out of five. I hate everything about Captain and the Game Master. I hate the yes. character designs. I hate how they completely bastardized the plots of all the video games. Um, okay. This one did a better job than most Captain N episodes of actually having material from the video game um, reasonably depicted. Like the first, yeah. it's like I said, like the the first uh, the first palace is in a desert where there are flying rocks and there are worms. Horsehead is the boss. There is a palace on an island that you have to get to by falling down a hole. Um, mm. And the hole is in the graveyard. Uh, the plot is, you know, obviously they couldn't sacrifice Link and sprinkle his blood on Ganon. So, you know, a hey. potion is OK. There's a there is a reflect spell in the game. You don't get it that way, but it exists there. Um, sure. So, and Link, you know, he's not constantly saying, I was waiting for them just to the, for the Easter egg, for him to say, excuse me, princess, but he <laughs> right. didn't. And then Toto winks. Um, I yeah, guess, okay. I guess in, if we're going by the actual lore of Legend of Zelda, this might not be the same Link from the Legend of Zelda. Uh, so maybe. Yeah, it doesn't really seem so, yeah, even though the so, voices are the same. So, I am going to give this one. Four kiss me princesses out of five. However, to make up for the no, lack of them. Well, kiss me princess is bad. So yeah. it's actually translates to a one out of five. Oh, gosh. OK. And the huh. one is for just how it kind of put a little bit of effort into looking like Zelda Two: the adventure of Link. And the enjoyability of Game Boy. Um... Game no, Boy might be what keeps it. Well, Game Boy is, he exists, but he's not as offensive as he could be. He's just kind of, you can, you can ignore him. Yeah, all right. All right. Okay. Um, so this is kind of like a weird, <laughs> a weird one-off. I think more we're talking about the Super Show Legend of Zelda. And it wasn't in my upper echelon. No. You know, that included Masters of the Universe, Transformers, Gummy Bears, Real Ghostbusters. But... I certainly did look forward to Fridays. Hmm. For me, and, you know, uh, go on. Uh, like I said, I was just thirsty for any kind of Nintendo content. And yeah, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, it was close enough that I could sort of hold my nose and pretend that it was OK. Um, oh, really? But Captain N was just on for someone who's like, oh, I want all the Nintendo stuff. And then watching this is like, this is nothing like the Nintendo stuff. Um, mm. so I, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show was tolerable. I could convince myself that it was okay, but Captain N <laughs> was garbage. 
Okay. Um, so except for your Captain N's uh, perspective, I think we were pretty much on par. There were the best episodes of this were not bad. They they were decent. Like the only thing really holding them back was Link. If the character yep. of Link was different, then I would have no complaints about these at all. Um, I would mm. they would they would be pretty high scores. It's perfectly reasonable. Does a decent job of staying true to the game. Um, or right. at least expanding on it, like that Fairies in the Spring one, you know, right. it didn't adhere strictly to only things that were in the game, but it's also stuff that could exist, so okay. You know, it didn't come up in the episodes, but um, one thing I always, another thing I liked on the show was the, uh, how they would have to find an underworld entrance, and it was often very creative, you know, that, oh, we gotta, you know, find a door in this knoll, right, yeah. or in this tree or so on. I mean, a lot, a lot of that's taken from the game, but still pretty neat to see on the show yeah okay i think we're done with uh we're done with link yeah done with oh. stinky link yeah yeah okay we're done with this stupid link hmm. all right um we need to do something else uh let's see how about um let me see i'm just thinking about this for the first time just coming up with this spur of the moment oh i know what about oh. cartoons about troublemakers oh yeah um Who's a bigger troublemaker in history than Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan? Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah. Bill and Ted's excellent adventures, plural, because it's a cartoon and there's more than one. Right. Um, we're going to do season one, episode seven, which is called A Black Night in San Dimas. And that's night, like the actual opposite of day. I know you're thinking it's going to be a oh. K and it's going to be about nights. Um, and it yeah. probably is. But this title is actually night. So a black right. night in San Dimas. Well, I got my fingers crossed that it won't be bogus. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Um, OK, well, I might have outdone you. OK, <laughs> so for you, we're the actual troublemakers here. Yeah. Uh, adventures waiting just ahead because I want you to watch Speed Racer. <laughs> and the episode I'd like you to watch is The Car Hater. Oh, boy, the ultimate villain in Speed Racer. You know, <laughs> I had a certain I was somewhat convinced that you were going to give me Dennis the Menace. And that would have made sense. And so <laughs> my original plan was to do the British version of Dennis the Menace, uh, known here as Dennis and Nasher. But then when Dennis I the Nasher, yeah, there's yeah. a different Dennis the Menace in England and he has a dog named oh. Nasher. But then I saw that oh. the episodes were only like two minutes long each. So I guess it was some kind of web thing. But uh, that fell through. I should have because I the same character designer for Dennis the Menace did uh, Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Oh, well, maybe in the future. And for also Genie uh, Elias is uh, the voice of Margaret and also I Princess know. Toadstool. So. Yeah, yeah, super nice. Yeah. I like that squeaking. Yeah. Um, all right, we're stuck with what we're stuck with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, so there we go. In the meantime, uh, give us some information. Tell us about Zelda. What's your favorite? Mine is Wind Waker. Uh, talk to us on the impossible to navigate morass that is Twitter now. Holy smoke. Oh what did they do to that thing? Ugh. Yep. Um, anyway, I'm at AC Matsy. Yeah, and you can find me at Drab Swatch. Now, are you always drawing four? 
can't flip the man in the pan? Do you want to gobble the most marbles and win? To be a winner, you need the secret, and that is the Celery Stalker's slogan. I know that the rules of the game are just the rain.